0: Welcome to another podcast from DAT Capital. I'm Peter White, and I'm joined today by the founder of DAT Capital, Emmanuel Dat. Emmanuel runs the DAT Capital Absolute Return Fund, which aims for double-digit returns over two years and has a strong focus on capital preservation. It's a fund open to qualifying wholesale or professional investors with a minimum lick of 100K. The fund posted 20% plus returns for FY20 and in the new, and in the new financial year, they're off to a stellar start with July returns posting plus 10%. That's for one month. Emmanuel, welcome.
1: Thanks, Peter, for having us.
0: DAT Capital Absolute Return Fund. It commenced life as a family office operation, but has morphed into a publicly accessible fund. How did that happen?
1: Yeah. So, Peter, basically, I've been personally investing in public markets since 2006. In 2015, my family had a liquidity event that led to the inception of our family office and one of the issues that we had was we couldn't find an appropriate equity investment product uh, to invest in ourselves. Uh, Consequently, we ran our own internal fund for three years and uh, we achieved uh, a mid-teen annual return and that sort of led to external interest. Consequently, we, we decided to open an external fund using the same investment team that we uh, use internally.
0: So, of course, you're an an active manager, not a passive manager. Can you explain your investment philosophy and then let's talk about how you implement it?
1: Yeah, sure. So, our investment philosophy is founded on six factors. So, uh, the first one being ownership. So, we view shareholdings as ownerships in in a business. The second is discipline. Uh, So we remain disciplined and and patient to invest only in exceptional opportunities. Uh, The third is uh, we strive to be conservative in our investments and our portfolio overall. Fourth is uh, we remain agile and we let market volatility work to our advantage. And the fifth one is uh, we adapt to change and we understand new paradigms and industry changes. And the last but not least is growth. So we preserve capital, but not at the detriment of growth itself. It's an interesting set of uh, principles. Are they based on any
0: particular uh, investment style or, or investment guru or investment philosophy?
1: We really admire uh, a number of investors. I would probably pick three who would be probably most influential in our way of thinking? The first one I would, I would say would be uh, a, a famous investor that most, most listeners would probably already know called Carl Icahn. Uh, Carl is a value style investor, very strong strategically and quite focused on deal making. The second would be Stanley Druckenmiller. He's uh, a global macro trader, best known for working with George George Soros. It was quite focused on the preservation of capital and the influence of large home runs, he called it to achieving outsized returns. And lastly, uh, we'd probably say Jim Leitner, who's a family office manager from the US. And his focus was achieving uh, returns and collecting risk premium from multiple sources and strategies, combining systematic and unsystematic asset classes uh, together in his portfolio.
0: Interesting. Can you talk me through your current asset allocation and tell me the thinking behind it? I notice you've got uh, real estate debt at 28%, equity 63% and cash at 9%. That's according to your website. Are those numbers still current and uh, what's the thinking behind whatever the numbers are?
1: Yeah, sure. So broadly at present, um, our cash allocation has risen. We have made that decision to strategically de-risk our portfolio, just given the upcoming, uh, well, we anticipate there's going to be upcoming volatility going into the US elections in November. So uh, first of all, you know, DAT Capital always has a focus on risk control and capital preservation. And the way we attempt to manage this is actually by our asset allocation itself. and um, we view the fixed income and debt element of the portfolio as an anchor for the overall portfolio, along with our, our cash weighting itself. Uh, so, these fixed income and debt investments are generally hold to maturity, short duration, and high yield. And as such, new opportunities that fulfill our criteria are quite rare. Uh, So accordingly, the main flexibility is adjusting our exposure between equities and cash. That's sort of a primary lever for us. And uh, yeah, equities themselves are driven primarily by a catalyst-focused selection process. And once again, we're very selective in terms of which particular equity exposures we would like exposure to and the overall equity portfolio itself. And uh, we should also mention that we take uh, uh, quite a concentrated approach to our equity selections. And accordingly, we need to be really on the ball in in terms of information on the equity side. We're in late August now,
0: this recording. Uh, What are the numbers for the allocations at the moment?
1: So at this point, uh, we're probably sitting at about 15 to 20% cash and the, our equity exposure has uh, been reduced uh, to somewhere around 50-odd percent of the portfolio and uh, with the balance uh, in CRE debt and fixed income, yeah.
0: And that CRE debt, is it first mortgage, that real estate debt?
1: Uh, no, not all, all the exposures are first mortgage. Uh, we definitely do have a bias towards uh, first mortgage uh, deals but uh, we do invest across the capital structure, and um, the way we, the approach we take is a relative value approach that looks to capture an liquidity premium at a lower than usual risk profile, and we're able to achieve this because we have strong knowledge of security structures, as well as a large database generated from previous deal
0: flow. It seems precious metals are a focus. But uh, it also looks like to me like there, it's via equities more than direct holdings in precious metals. Is that correct?
1: Yes. Uh, precious metal exposure is always expressed via equities. Uh, we recognised a couple of years ago that precious metals were a sector ripe for appreciation, and uh, subsequently we've successfully ridden and captured the wave to the upside. Uh, we are sector agnostic, so whilst our current focus is on precious metals we definitely uh, couldn't uh, don't categorize ourselves as a pure resources investor.
0: I note that you talk about special situations being part of your your investment style. How do you find these special situations and maybe could you give us an example of a current one or or a past successful one?
1: With special situations it's generally driven from our primary research itself. One particular instance that I can think of is an opportunity that we were previously invested in uh, known as ECHO Resources. Uh, which was a a gold uh, developer situated in the Yandel uh, Belt of Western Australia. The one particular nuance that we noticed uh, with this particular company was that uh, it was an amalgamation of a number of smaller entities uh, that had been uh, uh, amalgamated over a two to three year period. However, one hidden aspect of the company that wasn't well recognized by the market was the strategic value of the Bronzewing gold plant so effectively uh, this this plant uh, was the only plant within the region within uh, you know I'd say a 50 to 60 kilometer radius and in this locality itself there are quite a number of stranded gold resources that Uh, weren't quite significant enough uh, to justify the expenditure for their own um, plants or gold milling operations. So we recognized the strategic value in that very early on, and uh, we made a very uh, adequate return, about 100% over six months, um, that ultimately culminated uh, in a takeover by Northern Star Resources at the end of it. So it was a very successful, Uh, investment for us and uh, we're happy that we recognize potential very early on.
0: So you certainly uh, get granular in your research to say the least.
1: Yes, yes. Most of our research is done internally by our investment team. Although we do consider and uh, respect broker um, research notes and the like, um, we, we do The vast majority of our research is our own primary research. It's an
0: organic genesis for these special situations, more so than people bringing you deals all the time.
1: Yes, yes, that's correct.
0: What about risk control and capital preservation? They're two of the pillars of your investment style. How do you put those into action?
1: Yeah, so um, as we mentioned before, um, we try to control and manage our risks structurally via our asset allocation. So, typically, that involves just adjusting our asset allocation between cash, fixed income, and equities. And, uh, yeah, so effectively, we take a sort of medium-term view. We don't necessarily try and time the market as such, but we always ensure that we have sufficient cash on hand to take advantage of situations can you recall what's
0: been the biggest exposure to you've, you've had to cash in the last say, decade?
1: Yeah, we typically we run a higher than average cash weighting uh, than, than a conventional fund. So um, since our inception itself, we probably have run an average cash balance of 15 odd percent of the portfolio. And given that uh, our annualised return is in the vicinity of um, the high teens since the fund's inception, um, I think it really shows what the quality of the underlying investment returns have been uh, equalising the cash itself. Indeed. In the circumstances we find ourselves
0: in, that is a pandemic pandemic with virtually zero interest rates, pump priming on steroids, how much more difficult is your task than normal or do you revel in these troubled but opportunistic times? What's, what's your take on the current situation?
1: I think our jobs as fund managers and investors is, is always uh, it's a difficult situation no matter what the environment. So I think that given the circumstances, uh, I, I think for an active manager or an investor with an active management style, these times are ripe with opportunity. Uh, I think a lot of it comes down to what your investment philosophy is. For instance, uh, our one of our principles is being agile. And we've found that being agile in these sort of times has been uh, very beneficial to our own performance and uh, to the net outcome for our investors.
0: Well, you've, you've started the year off with a bang, with a, a plus 10% uh return for July, uh, that would seem to say that their times favour you.
1: Uh, you. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that uh, we're, we're very proud to sort of have achieved uh, some really outstanding returns uh, despite the uh, market volatility through you know, February, March, April. Um, I think we've captured uh, significantly more upside than the index in general, since the fund's inception, but whilst also capturing much less of the downside relative to the SX200. I
0: couldn't help noticing, quite frankly, that you have a waiting list for fund applications, which is um, unusual to my mind. If I want to invest with that capital, how long do I have to wait before I can entrust some of my investable cash to you? Uh,
1: We have generally a one-month wait at this stage, Uh, It really depends on the size of funds that the investors are looking to invest. Ultimately, uh, we want to reward investors that have had faith faith with us, so existing investors, uh, by not capping the performance of um, existing investments in the portfolio. So we're quite focused on growing sustainably and rewarding our uh, investors that have had the faith to invest early on And we look forward to um, continuing this dynamic and and growing sustainably, whilst at the same time uh, providing uh, outsized returns for our investors as best as we can.
0: And and just to be clear, 100000 is the um, the minimum entry level, uh, and I need to be classed as a wholesaler professional investor. Yes, that's correct. Which usually involves getting a letter from my accountant, I think. Among them. Yes, 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 an account
1: certificate and all the like. Yeah.
0: Let's finish up by talking about uh, your outlook for the next six months. You've already mentioned that the US election is a cause for um, focus, so you'll be watching that carefully and keeping some powder dry.
1: I-, I think over the next three months I would probably expect quite an uptick uh, due to the US uh, elections in volatility itself. Um, however, I guess over a six-month time frame, given the situation in Australia at the moment, you know, I'd probably expect would be coming out of the COVID curfews um, on a nationwide basis. And that may set off, you know, a tsunami of travel <laughs> and um, e- effectively a recovery in the business environment, uh, especially for those industries that have been heavily affected like tourism and hospitality and the like. So. Um, uh, I always call myself an optimist, but um, I, I I have reason to be optimistic over uh, over, the, over a six month time frame. Well, it's nice to be
0: end on a cheery note in these these troubled times. Emmanuel Dett, thanks for talking to us today. Thank you, Peter.